The Bible speaks a lot about the Bible, about itself. And um, I'm always especially interested in, in, those, in those texts. And uh, that's, that's one that we have here in James chapter 1. If you found it, let's stand. And we'll begin reading in verse number 19, a very familiar passage of Scripture, a wonderful book. James is very practical, very practical. It's referred to sometimes as the New Testament Proverbs. It just has a lot of practical application for us as Christians. We'll begin reading chapter 1, verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man, or for any, if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be here in a place where we can read your word, we can learn from your word, we can understand it, we have it in our own language, in a language that's understandable for all of us. We're thankful for minds that are capable of, of understanding what we read, for the, for the grace of God and the Spirit of God which enlightens us to the truth. And tonight, Lord, we just pray that you would help us, each of us, to understand what you'd have for us, and um, just teach us, we pray, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. In this passage, James contrasts those who hear from those who do. Those who hear instructions and do nothing with them from those who follow through with the instructions. Two very different things. Hearing is good. Hearing is necessary, but we must go beyond just hearing what God has to say. Jesus had a couple of interesting statements when he was teaching that um, will sound similar, but yet they're very different. In, in Mark chapter 4, verse 24, he said, Take heed what ye hear. We used to sing that song, Oh, be careful, little ears, what ye hear. Because we understand that what comes in is very important. What comes in through our ears has, has a great effect. Take heed what you hear. 
In fact, in James chapter 1, right kind of surrounded by this teaching about the Word of God, James said, be, be, be swift to hear, slow to speak. So hearing God's Word especially is important. We ought to be swift to get as much of God's Word in us as we can. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. And then in Luke 8.18, he said, take heed therefore how ye hear. First he said, take heed what you hear. And then he said, take heed how ye hear. So it's not just what we hear that's important. What we allow in is important, but it's more than just what we allow in, but how do we listen? We know that's true from the parable of the sower. Jesus gave this parable in his Gospels, and the, 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 the seed was sown. The what? The, the what was good seed. It was the word of God. So we know what was sown was good. But the how was, was very much different in each case. How it was received Some was on stony ground, some was on uh, good uh, uh, soil, soft soil. Some was on by the wayside with a a devil. The fowls of the air came and took it away. And so tonight I want to kind of think about and look at this matter of receiving God's word. How do we receive God's word? God's word is good. We all agree on that. It's being taught. It's being preached regularly. You're reading it, hopefully regularly, but how are we receiving it? And I want to give some practical steps from these verses to better receive the Word of God. The first thing we'll see is that there, there has to be an honest assessment, or maybe I should say an honest self-assessment. As we read, an honest self-assessment, an honest look in the mirror, James likens our life really to a, a man who is walking by this looking glass, this glass, this mirror, and some people, some, one of the guys that he talks about walks by the mirror and he looks at himself, but then he walks away, kind of forgetting all about what he saw. And the other one makes a change. Look in verse 23, back in, in James chapter 1. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or a looking glass, or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, he looks at himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So the mirror, of course, is illustrative of of the word of God. We, We see that, and we'll see more as we go along. Many people will never take a look in the mirror in the first place. That's a sign of immaturity, by the way. Children don't think as much about looking in the mirror as teenagers do. If you have teenagers, you, you believe that. Young children could care. They, don't, they, they could care less if they had a mirror. They're never going to look at it anyway. They don't care what they look like. If, they have, if there's food on their face, they have no concern about it. If, if their pants are, are tucked into their socks, it's, it's fine. They don't care. They, just, they, got, they got more important things to do. Many people never look in the mirror. And if we need frequent reminders to, to look at ourselves in the mirror then it's a sign, really, of, of immaturity, spiritual immaturity. The mature person is a little concerned about looking in the mirror of God's Word. And there has to be a desire to look at it, a willingness to look at it. A lot of people don't have any desire to look into this mirror of God's Word. And there are different reasons for people not having a desire to look into the Word. For many, it's just not a priority. 
it's not a high enough priority. There are other things that take precedent to over it. There are more other things in life that are more important, like a, like a child who doesn't, it's not that they don't, they don't want to look in the mirror, they've just got more important things to do. They, got, they, they, they want to go play. They want to go outside and, and, and kick a ball, or they want, to, or they want to watch TV, or they want to do something else. It's, it's not that they don't, if you ask them, do you care what you look like, they would say, yeah, of course I care, but they've got more important things to look at. And, and, and that's to do, and, that, and that's, that's, the, that's the spiritually immature person. We've just got more important, it's not that, we know the Bible's important, but, yet, but there are just other things that are more pressing, that get a higher priority in our life. For some, it's just not important enough to alter their schedule. Spiritual maturity is displayed when we consistently get into God's Word. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. We consistently get into God's Word. For other people, it's not that. For other people who, who fail to look into the mirror of God's Word, it's a, not, it's a, it's a fear, really, of, of what they might find if, if they dig in. For many, they don't want to know. They don't want to see what the mirror is going to reveal. They don't, they don't, want, they don't want to see those imperfections, that the, the light of God's word is going to shine onto their life. And so they would rather just avoid it altogether. That's why a lot of people won't go to church, because they, they don't want to change. They're happy with who they are. They know it's not that great, but they don't want the light shining on it. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be exposed for who they are. They're perfectly happy with what they have going on in their life, and they don't want to adapt their lifestyle, and that may be required if they look into the mirror of God's word. So it begins with a willingness to look, a willingness to look into the mirror of God's word. And as we're going to see as we go along, just looking is not enough, but it's a good starting point. It's a good starting point. But looking in the mirror doesn't change anything. When you got up this morning and you looked in the mirror, you saw something that you probably wouldn't want anyone else to see. <laughs> You'd be ashamed if anyone else saw what you saw this morning when you woke up. But just seeing yourself in that condition didn't change it. It didn't get better. Right? There were some steps you had to take. So it's not just a willingness to look, but it's also a willingness to change. Looking is, is essential, because without looking, without looking, you'll never know the need that you have. But it doesn't stop there. Then you have to be willing to make the changes necessary, to, ba- to adapt based on what we see in the mirror. There's some things that need to maybe be, to be, to be moved, or to be, maybe to be covered up. We look into the mirror of God's word and we see some things that need to, to change, but it doesn't stop there. We have to, make, we have to take steps to, 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 to adapt to what God has told us to do. One man here in James 1 saw himself, saw his flaws, saw his shortcomings, but he walked away and, without really considering the severity of the problem. Look in verse 23 again. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like... So the one, who, the one who hears the word but doesn't do anything about it, this is who James said he's like. He's like the man that beholds his natural face in a glass. He, he, he sees that the natural face, the, un, the, um, the one that hasn't had any help in a glass. He beholdeth himself, he sees himself, and then he goes his way. And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. It's, so it's not that he doesn't see the problem. 
He saw it. He looked at it. He recognized the need, but he completely disregarded what he saw and eventually forgot all about the problems that he had. You know, it's impossible to take a serious look into Scripture without recognizing needs in our own lives, areas in our own life that need to change. If We'll look more at this later, but if you read consistently God's Word and you never see anything that needs to be changed in you, then you're not taking a careful look at it like you should be. Just seeing yourself as, as messy and dirty and broken doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be cleaned up. It's common to hear people say that they're messy. In fact, they're you know, full apparel lines and millions of dollars being made by people saying, I'm broken and I'm messy and I'm dirty and all this stuff, but are we, are we, taking, steps, are we taking steps to clean it up? It's one thing to acknowledge our condition, but we have to do something about it. So an honest assessment is necessary, and the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? But then there has to be a willingness to change. There must be deliberate actions that are taken. What are the actions that we have to take? Verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So we see two deliberate actions here. The first is laying apart. Laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. This, this phrase, lay apart, is, is familiar language in the New Testament. Same phrase, same words are used many times. Romans thirteen twelve. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. It's often a putting off and then a putting on. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the old, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts. Colossians 3.8, but now ye also put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. Hebrews 12.1, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Same word used in all of these. 1 Peter 2.1, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies. It carries the idea of taking off dirty clothes. Moms, you, under, you understand, you've, when you've cleaned the house, and you've, you've, you've swept and mopped the floors, and, and the kids are outside playing in the dirt and, and the mud, and you've just, it, it, everything looks amazing, and the door opens, and they start to run in, and you say, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop right there. Go outside. How many of you ever said this? Go outside and take your clothes off. Take your shoes off. Get outside. Do not come in my clean house wearing that. Maybe some of you have said that to your husbands. Don't come in my house looking like that. Get your dirty clothes off of my clean couch. That's the idea here. That's the idea here. Take you want to learn from God's word, you want to receive with meekness the engrafted word, then the first thing you have to do is lay off some things. You have to lay off the things that are keeping you, preventing you from receiving God's word. There's a, there's a barrier between you and God, and it's your sin. And if you want to receive from him, you first have to remove some things. Remove, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. 
This is any uncleanness. This is excess. Excess of sin, dirt, filth, anything that is against God and His Word were to lay aside. See, sin blinds us from properly looking into that perfect law of liberty, that that perfect mirror of God's Word and seeing what we need to see. Sin blinds us. And we can't expect to hear from God when we have known unconfessed sin in our life. So he says, wherefore, lay apart, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity, excess of naughtiness. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And we'll not hear from him either if we're regarding sin. So first we have to lay aside. That's the first. And then we can receive the word. Verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That meekness is humility. It's a mild disposition. It's, it's, it's a willingness. And, and receiving anything requires some humility, doesn't it? To, to receive instruction, it, it takes a little bit of humility. If you have ever played sports and you've had a coach, to receive Instruction, correction from your coach takes some humility. If you're a child and you have a, your, your parent is giving you instruction and correction, it takes humility to receive that. If you don't receive it, then you're not humble, you're proud. If, you're, if you receive it willingly, then there is humility. To receive requires humility, and it's deliberate. Does humility come naturally to anybody here? I don't think so. Humility doesn't come naturally to any of us. We're all proud people. We're naturally very proud. We're arrogant. We want things our way. And a person that's unwilling to recognize his own error and humble himself cannot receive instruction. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools hate being told what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. To receive with meekness means to be teachable. It means to be instructable. It means to, it means to open up, to, to kneel down and say, show me where I'm wrong. I'm looking in the mirror. I come to this mirror because I believe, I believe this mirror is going to tell me what's wrong. That's why we go to the mirror, isn't it? That's why you went to the mirror before you got ready for church, some of you. Because you know that it's going to be honest with you. It's not going to lie. It's going to tell me. It's going to tell me the truth. I may not think I have anything on my face, but the mirror is going to tell me the truth. When we go to God's word, we, we must go to it humbly and say, God, I'm going to consent to what you have to say. I may not think I'm wrong. I may think I'm all good. I may think I'm, I'm not dirty at all and everything is fine, but I'm going to come to your word in humility. I'm going to lay aside the, the, the sin, the naughtiness, and then I'm going to receive with meekness and humility whatever it is that you have to show me. It's being teachable. So first, there must be an honest assessment, a, a willingness to look in the mirror and then a willingness to change what needs to be changed. Second, there are some deliberate actions that have to be taken. Laying aside the sin, and receiving 
God's word. And then we'll see the result in verse 25 of that. And that is a continuing obedience. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. This word looketh is more than just a, a passing glance. If you study it, the Greek word is perikupto. And it actually means to stoop down, to, to bend over, to, to kneel down and to examine something thoroughly. It's not a casual look. It's trying to figure something out. It's not flying through a Bible reading, trying to get through so we can, so we can say, I'm, I'm, I finally got through my Bible this year. It's not saying I want to hurry up and get through this today so I can get on with the important things of the day, but rather it's realizing that this is the important thing of the day. It's not a casual look. It's trying to figure it out. It means to gaze intently, to get down and gaze on it. Here's one Bible scholar's insight about the past, this passage. He said, we might wonder why the ever-practical James does not proceed to outline schemes of daily Bible reading or the like. For surely these are the ways in which we offer a willing ear to the voice of God. But he doesn't do that. Rather, he goes deeper. For frankly, there is little point to schemes and times if we have not an attentive spirit. It's possible to be unfailingly regular in Bible reading, but to achieve no more than to have moved the bookmark forward. The word is read, but it's not heard. It's possible to look at God's word in a very casual way, for sure. We were talking about this passage a few weeks ago, and Justin made the observation that in the day when this was written by James, mirrors were not as prevalent as they are today. James was not able to take out his iPhone and put it and look at his front-facing camera and see if he had anything stuck between his teeth like we're able to do. Everyone didn't have mirrors in their purses, vanities in every bathroom with six or eight foot mirrors across. They didn't have that back then. In Bible times, there, there were medals, of course, which showed reflection. But no medal shined as much as you wanted to shine it is going to give us the clarity of picture that we have when we go and look in the mirror now. Mirrors like we have, have have only been around a few hundred years. You, you maybe have been in a situation where you didn't have a mirror and you, you really wanted to look at something on yourself. Maybe you were about to go into a meeting or to church and you didn't have a mirror or a phone and so you tried to find something shiny. Maybe you went to a car, your car, or if you're like me and your car doesn't have much of a shine, maybe you went to somebody else's car that washes their car more than you wash your car and... And because it's not a mirror, you have to get up close, and you have to bend over, and you have to really look into it. And even in this, if I really look closely, I can see my reflection just a little bit, because this is nice and shiny. But it's not going to reveal much about me. But in those days, they, they couldn't stand five feet away and see clearly like we can now. They would have to look closely, bend over, gaze intently at this metal object in order to see themselves clearly. That's the idea we have here of this word, looketh. It's to bend over and gaze intently. Whoso looketh 
into the perfect law of liberty. It's not just a passing glance, but it's to get down and look and look and gaze and study. Notice also that there's no delay in this man's obedience. You see, there were there are two, two men here. One saw himself, saw his issues, maybe even had good intentions about correcting them. We don't know for sure. But we know that he didn't do anything about it. Instead, he walked away and straightway, immediately, just like that, he forgot the problems. That's the procrastinator. I'll confess my sin, but I'm going to do it later. I'll repent. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to fix it later. I know I've got this thing on my face, and I, but I'm really in a hurry, so I'm going, to, I'm going to get to that later. And you walk away from the mirror and you forgot all about it. But the other man, the other man, he made a change. That's why we have an invitation, by the way, at the end of every service. Because God, when, we, when, we, when the Word of God is preached, we expect Him to teach us, instruct us. And so we, almost every service we have an invitation, and the, and, the, and the reason for that is because when God does speak, we ought to respond immediately doesn't mean you have to come forward in an altar, although you certainly can. But the longer we wait, the more likely we are to forget. God reveals something to us through the mirror of his word. And if we don't act immediately, then like this man, we might just walk away and straightway forget what manner of man we were. So we make decisions. God shows us. God reveals it to us. And we, have to, we ought to fix it immediately. Obedience implies immediate. I don't think that's a word, but rhyme's good. We're all prone to forget, aren't we? We're all prone to forget. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Obedience is more than lip service. It's more than just seeing something, it's doing something. So we shouldn't put it off. When God shows us something in his word, we shouldn't delay. Respond immediately. Delayed obedience is disobedience. That's what I was always told. God speaks, we act. I love how James refers to God's word here as the perfect law of liberty. There are many laws, but there's only one perfect law. Our laws are changing all the time, aren't they? When, when I drive across the country and somebody calls me on my cell phone, I, I, I'm always wondering, is, am I allowed to pick up my phone and talk here? Missouri, I can. Illinois, I can't. Indiana, I'm not sure. Is, is it, because every, law is, every state is different. There are no perfect laws, except there's one perfect law, and that is God's law, the perfect law. And without a perfect mirror, then we can't be completely sure about what we're seeing can we? We need a perfect mirror. You ever seen those mirrors at the, at the science center of the magic house? When you, and when you look into them, you look very much, very different than how you really look. Have you seen those? They're distorted and they've got all, that, that's not a perfect mirror. But there, but there is one perfect mirror. There's one perfect law of liberty that when we look into it, we can believe everything that it says about us. If we're going to purify ourselves, we need a reliable standard a reliable mirror, and we have that with this perfect law, the Word of God. There's something else about His law. 
It's not just perfect. It's liberating. The, the perfect law of liberty. This law is not binding. It's not restricting. It doesn't tie us down. Often we think about laws as they're taking away our freedom. I can, on, uh, I can only go 70 here. Uh, I can only go 55 here. This is so restricting. But God's word liberates us. It sets us free. We, prior to following God's word, we were in bondage. We were in bondage to sin, but, but God's word sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's no other law like God's law. It's a perfect law. It's a liberating law. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. It, it, it gives liberty. Not only that, it brings blessings. God's law brings blessings. Verse 25, we're still there. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He stays there. He, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Obedience to God's perfect law doesn't just bring us liberty, it, gives us, it brings us blessing as well. What do we know about the, the blessed man in Psalm chapter 1? Blessed is the man, Psalm chapter 1. What do we know about him? He delights in God's word. He meditates therein day and night. He goes to bed thinking about his word, meditating on it. He wakes up thinking about it. He loves the word, the law. That's the law of the Lord, and it's, he's the blessed man. You want to be blessed? Learn to love God's word. Learn to stay. Learn to continue in God's word. This man shall be blessed in his deed. What deed is he blessed in? That which is done in obedience to the revelation of God. These deeds that God is, God is showing him, he continues in the word, in the work, and he is blessed in his deed. God reveals truth to us as we carefully study his word and we respond by what he's shown us to do and told us to do. And the result is not bondage, it's freedom. It's liberty, it's blessing. God blesses us as we obey him. The word of God gives liberty. The word of God brings blessings. And the word of God accomplishes sanctification in our life as well. We saw that back in verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. There is a, a sanctifying, a saving, a sanctifying work that, is, that God is doing in believers, and the tool that he uses to sanctify us is his word. John 17, 17 should be coming to your mind. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified by the truth of his word. There's no higher calling than to become more like Christ. And that will only happen as we study and obey his word. So do we want to be blessed? Or do we not want to be blessed? Do we want to be free? Or do we want to be in bondage? Do you want to be more like Christ, sanctified? Or do we want to be more like you? 
When you get up in the, in, in the morning and you look in the mirror, that's you. That's, that's the real you. That's the natural you. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't want to end this on a bad note. That's, that, that, that's you. And when we, look in the, when we look in the mirror of God's word, we see ourselves for who we really, what we really are. But, but God doesn't want to leave us how we are. God wants to do a sanctifying work in us. He wants to change us. He wants to make us more like him. And he does that through his word, through a careful, continuing, gazing look into his perfect law of liberty. Not by a quick pass by the mirror and say, okay, everything looks okay. No, no. But a, but a, but a getting down into examining and to carefully studying and reading and rereading and rereading and, 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 and looking up. This is, this is what God has for us. This is God's best for us. And that man, the man that does that, the man who, who, who is not just a hearer, but a doer, who sees the need and does something about it, that man is blessed in his deed. We all want to be blessed, don't we? Blessed by God. Don't you want to be blessed by God? Don't you want your life to be blessed? Don't you want your family to have the blessing of God? Don't you want this church to have the blessing of God? We have the recipe. See the word. Love the word. Study the word. Stay in the word. Continue in the word. This man shall be blessed in his deed.